based on our walks that we take yeah. with them and our conversations during these walks. And the idea was that if we enjoy so much the freedom of these walks and ideating together and just sharing thoughts, maybe others too. Yeah, exactly. So right now we're doing what we always do. We are just walking with our dogs. And the only difference is that we have tiny fluffy microphones attached to our mouths. <laughs> That's right. So what are we going to talk about today? Let's talk about how we can still manage to get some work done and fit these long, long walks into our days and not go mad. So what's, what's self-management and how does it help in our days? And how does one learn it? Yeah. What time do you get up? I usually get up nowadays around nine, but this is not the standard for me. Uh, when I have more uh, on my plate, I try to wake up earlier around seven or eight. Mm -hmm. And then I like to start working or just doing something useful at around 10 the latest so that I can feel productive. Do you have uh, a project now? I do, actually. I have a pro bono project right now. Okay. I, me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, were, you were the one who uh, got me this project and who introduced me to the ant community. The ant community, indeed. So this is my only project right now. And apart from that, I have D&D &D games that I have to manage. But this will all change in in a month or so. Do you try to keep a, an average workday when you have projects? Do you try to stick with those hours that your clients do? I only stick to client hours to uh, make room for like synchronous work. And apart from that, I prefer to set my own hours. And I prefer to minimize synchronous work, so meetings and workshops and stuff like that. I also started to charge more for hours that I have to work uh, closely with someone and charge less for, for the work that I can do alone. Wow. I think it's a good uh, incentive and uh, most clients understand it. Yeah, how, how do they react first when they hear this differentiation? Well, most clients like it and absolutely understand it because I, I usually work with like startup people and uh, very creative people who are already overworked and who can absolutely relate to this kind of separation. So they understand 
And if someone doesn't understand, that means it's not a great match. So I can keep looking. So it's also a good filter. What do you think about this over meeting culture? And how do you manage that other than this? <laughs> I like to work on making meetings super effective and as short as possible. I like to introduce tools to make them more effective and like create a set template for what topics we discuss on every meeting and force uh, strict facilitation and stuff like that. And of course, tell clients that I prefer async communication in any case that that it's possible and uh, and and provide a good example of how decisions can be made asynchronously or knowledge can be shared asynchronously so that they might follow it yeah i was going to ask how do they take it when you suggest a change in their practices and how do you propose those things so that depends on what my role is in in that uh, that situation so if i am hired to in in like more of a consultant role, then I am hired to make their processes more effective. So they will be open for that. And if I'm hired as uh, as a developer, then I like to uh, discuss it beforehand. Like, are you open to these kinds of suggestions or what are like the limits of, of my wiggle room here? And And then we discuss it and then it's more like a, an idea or a suggestion if I have something like that. And then if they say no, then I can easily, happily uh, adhere to what they have. So it comes back to having clear draws and... Exactly. <laughs> I was going to ask, how do you fight your <clears throat> introvertness in those situations when you want to change something, but then... With the clear, with the clear roles, right? Yeah, exactly. So I am an extreme introvert most of the time, mm-hmm. but if I know that my role here is to provide counsel or explain topics or teach or coach or something like that, then I can fill that role, knowing that I have, I have the um, mandate to do that. Mm-hmm. How do you react to when? You find yourself in a situation that the role is not clear enough. Do you have any suggestions for that? I have a lot of questions in those cases, and uh, sometimes that's a bit annoying for clients. It can cause problems, but I prefer to have clarity, even if that makes it more uncomfortable for a little while while we get there. I understand. And what about efficiency with international projects with different time zones? Do you have experience with that? Yeah, I had some clients from from the US and from Asia as well. As I said, I can pretty easily change my schedule. So if it's needed that we have meetings in the evenings, then I will just wake up later and then I c- in, in a couple of weeks I can completely transfer my wake hours into a different time zone and then that's fine it becomes a problem when you have more clients from more time zones very far from each other but uh, i try to avoid that (laughs) and then so far it's it's working well 
in in my experience, actually, it, it's not necessarily a problem, or it can play to your advantage. For me, eight hour workdays are really hard. I don't think I could do it, yeah. and I honestly believe nobody can. I think. Yeah, I agree. People who are p- getting paid for working a nine to five job. I mean, if you were, if you would be honest and measure the time, and I'm sure there are studies about it, how much of that time is actually spent with work? Yeah, I, I would bet it would be maybe around four to five tops. Yeah, and the rest is something else. And in my case, what I find easier, at least from the work perspective, about freelancing and in some cases having clients from different time zones, is that I can just, you know. If I work with Asia, I start early in the morning and then I have a bunch of hours to do something else and even maybe recharge and like right. refocus and then work with the Americans. Of course, the problem is when you have to do both and all of it at the same time. <laughs> yeah. I've had examples of that. And those are really, really long days. If we have multiple clients or if I have multiple clients, what I find is It's not so much the time zone that's challenging, but the topic. So yeah, and and the context switches, right? Yes, that's right. Um, I mean, I don't have a problem working for the same client that is based in on multiple locations. And, and I talk with them in the morning and I talk with them in the evening. It's much harder when I need to talk to different clients in the same day. Yeah. Two hours in the morning, this topic. Two hours later, that topic. I think that that is really taxing. Yeah, that's the most exhausting part. And you can definitely not do that for more than five hours a day. So I know some developers who can like do focused work, uh, focusing on one issue or one topic and just coding in a flow state for more than five hours, even eight. But if Robots. you're working with... Yeah. <laughs> Called ChatGPT. <laughs> Yeah, but if you're working with people and like doing meetings and workshops and stuff like that, that's that's a completely different topic. I started it a couple of years ago to separate days or define certain days for certain clients. So now what I try to do is every Tuesdays and I don't know Wednesdays is for client A, and then every Friday is for client B. And I allow for communication in between those days. Like, of course, we can email, and if something needs to be corresponded about, we can do it. But no actual work. Yeah. So the flow keeps sort of going. They don't feel left alone, but they also know when they can count on my presence, and and I feel a lot easier to to focus and prepare and. Not just be caught in the in the moment. Okay, the next one hour, I have to talk about this random thing that I was working on two days ago. Yeah, you can do more focused work like that. I also try to uh, have at least one day every week where I only do these kinds of like very focused work. I sit down and work on a problem or write code or stuff like that, and have absolutely no meetings. Yes, and how does that working? How is that working out for you? That's that's good, and I I am lucky to work with clients that can respect that. 
So I am looking for clients that can respect that because that's, that's really important. I think it's challenging for them. I think it, it must be challenging from the other side that they are present every day of the week, busy with the same topic, and it can be challenging for them to understand that by us maybe limiting this time is also their interest. Yeah. So we can actually do focused work and it may just be two days a week when we are working with them. But on those two days, they surely can count on some progress. Right. Unlike with other type of maybe work that just goes on and on and on and on and is less easy to put into milestones, maybe like shorter milestones. Yeah, that, that's actually a good question. Like how do you measure progress in a in any kind of work and how do you how do you make the client feel that kind of progress so that they feel safe working with you so how do you well again that depends on <laughs> on what kind of work i'm doing i'm trying to like as you said set some milestones that are easy to check and that are very clear when they are done or not done for me, working in design and especially in the conceptual phase, the hardest part is always the first third of it, I think. Because while it can be really well defined, like the different steps that we're going to take because of the characteristics of this first phase of so much uncertainty, we aren't sure where we're going yet. And for them, unless they have experience with it, yeah, difficult for them to feel safe first. Yeah. I mean, it depends, of course, how long we stretch this period. And unfortunately, it always depends on them how long we stretch this period because it depends on how much availability they have to do this because I can't do it without them picking their brains. Yeah. So the funny paradox of this is, so usually they try to negotiate the least time possible spent with me so they can do their daily thing. But the least time they are able to spend with me at once the longer it takes to get to a certain period. <laughs> so the longer it takes for them to feel safe in the whole process. So in a way, they make it more difficult for themselves. And I'm not saying this without understanding that, of course, they need to attend their daily business. Yeah, it must be hard to find the balance between those two things. Yeah. Let's give a visual where we are now. So Aniko mentioned that we are on an island and we just arrived to the water. This island is on the river Danube. Because we are walk, we are located in Budapest, Hungary. It's a beautiful, <laughs> it's a beautiful day now. We were expecting rain, but it's sunny and it's very serene. What do you think about those fantastic, well-marketed efficiency tools and approaches that have been around in the past? five to ten years uh, do you use any of those i tried i have yes but i i, I don't know if i should admit it <laughs> <laughs> we can talk about tools and we can talk about approaches and by tools i mean i remember when the trello craze <laughs> exploded and a bunch of other different tools I remember we with the company using Asana and a bunch of other project management tools. And honestly, I haven't found the ultimate one. 
I still find most of them are lacking something and yeah. it takes more energy for me to use them than to not use them. And when I work with a team, of course, for transparency, it helps to use something right. in common and that everybody can, you know, in, in an async manner, check for progress or needs. Or So I completely recognize the importance and the value. I just still find that there is no ultimate tool. Also, I find uh, get things done <laughs> directive kind of annoying, <laughs> which actually is the thing that I find about all of these schools annoying, that, that it's always presented in a way that there is one truth. This is the way to do it. And if you do it, you will be so, you know, you will be successful at battling these, these, these challenges. But I think every single time you need to tailor them to your own situation. Right. And there's no one size fits all. And so I think that's what I find annoying about them. I think it's great that there are there is support out there available or, or others sharing their experiences, but just the way that they do it is I find it frustrating. I Too think. arrogant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember specifically from get things done that there was this rule that if you can do something under a couple of minutes you should prioritize it but recently i was listening to a podcast i should check which one it was something about efficiency and the guys were talking about how that is also a trap because if you just prioritize all your five minute tasks then you will end up doing only five minute tasks and for when, your life <laughs> yes when the hell will you ever get to the big thing? Like you were saying, that you dedicate a whole day to yeah. things when you need to get in the zone. How do they work for you? Or do you have some like best practice that you rely on? For me, uh, the process is more important than the tool. So I do need some process for sure to manage all the things that I have to keep in my mind. But, and I have tried a bunch of tools for that, and uh, I don't have a preference. So I just, I think that I can, if you just pick a tool and then you can stick to it, then it will be definitely helpful, and uh, no matter what tool it is. So either on the abstraction level of like GTD and, uh, and, the like, so how how actually you manage your incoming tasks and what you want to focus on, or on the on the level of like software solutions for that. There are many different existing solutions, and if you can pick one and just stick to it, then it will be helpful. And of course, they don't <laughs> solve all the problems. Yeah, I think for me, it's always important to have something just because I am always working on many different things mm -hmm. and I just physically am not capable of keeping all that uh, in my head. And, you and if shouldn't. I try it, uh, then I will only be super anxious all the time and I have no idea why I'm anx anxious. So shitty mood and stuff like that, that is only triggered by simply having too many things going on at once and trying to keep all of that in my head. So for me, if I, I'm working on like two client works and like uh, writing teaching materials for some kind of training and organizing an event for a meetup or a conference, 
and having uh, two different uh, D&D campaigns running. You just, I just simply need a place for all of that information that is outside my head and, and a way to handle all incoming information and, and tasks without always worrying that I am losing something. So I think that's why I liked GTD as well, because it has clear processes for what you do with incoming stuff and a clear way of organizing all mm -hmm. that knowledge and, and to-dos. And so I still use some form of it, not by the book, but some, some parts you that are useful for me. Yeah, adapted the knowledge. My new favorite software for it is called Timo. I haven't heard about it. It's, it's a very cute software. And uh, besides what it actually does, I also really like how they are developing it. So I can see the constant improvements of, the, of their apps. And I keep getting their surveys and uh, invites for interviews and stuff like that. So their development process is also very... Uh, very nice and it's just basically a visual planner where I can capture all the incoming to-dos that I have and then if I have the time I can process those to-dos and decide what I want to do with them like is it something that I want to block some time during my day to to do or is it something that I just have to put somewhere else and and it can wait so how is it better than other tools or what is it that you like about it other than I understand the transparency of their development? Because it's, it's really simple. and Not trying to be more. Yeah, that's my main problem with all the other tools. Like I used Asana for a while that you mentioned after, after we worked together, even for managing my personal stuff. And it's like, it's huge, it's ugly, it wants to do too many things. So I, I didn't really like it. I also use Notion. That's where I put my uh, like long-term stuff. So not the stuff that I immediately want to do or not the, the plan for my day, but stuff that I can just keep there, the information related to projects, and then I can just check that and pick to-dos from there if I want to. And also with Notion, I really like the simplicity and the flexibility that they have. So I, if I wanted to, I could use it like a Trello board. If I wanted to, I could use it like a, an Asana database or I, or I can just use it like a notepad and basically just drop ideas in there. What do, what do you think about the continuance of data storing? I, I, I explain myself here a little bit. <laughs> yeah, please. What do you mean by data storing? I remember a bunch of years ago when I was a student in Milan, you know, there's always a design week. And that week, one of the main topics was the future of knowledge. And the questions raised, this is more than, well, actually, it was exactly 15 years ago, this, this event. And the questions they were raising were that for so many hundreds of years, we stored knowledge in books. And they, you know, unless there was a fire... <laughs> they are still available and they are still in the same format. But as soon as the digital space started up and storage, you know, the, the, the available storage of on different 
drives and and platforms started to become available the speed of ha- having to change the location of the informational knowledge that we gather or create is is shifting or has started shifting so fast what i'm what i'm trying to get to is even in our professional life i find that if i wanted to look up documentation of my work just from a couple of years ago they would be scattered around these different platforms yeah so something i i have in google drive something i have in dropbox something i have <laughs> on an external drive yeah. and it kept changing and changing and so if i wanted to put together a portfolio of my work that would require me employing a lot of different uh, storage spaces yeah and so far going back to even dvds right? <laughs> right i'm not kidding yes i have projects on yeah me too <laughs> on dvds and what i'm saying is now i find that every year a new tool comes in and you need to migrate whatever you migrate need to migrate for one project or the next project and basically the traces of your work is all over the place yeah so that's what i meant by continuance of info the storing information yeah Yeah, and we also have like exponentially more and more data that we have to True. take care of. Uh, but I think because of that, it's also somehow uh, a positive uh, thing that you have to sometimes go through what you have and think about what you have to migrate and what you what can what you can let go. So it's kind of like a gardening of your knowledge and your okay the data that you have amassed yeah very optimistic here <laughs> um, yeah i'm a bit uh, so i'm okay with letting things go so sometimes uh when you are moving platforms or you're moving ways of storing data you can go through everything that you have reminisce bring up nice memories and then say goodbye to some of that data For me, there are more to it, I think. One thing is the continuance. So yes, how do I store my work? And the, the second thing, and I can talk about it longer, but the second thing is the con- constantly changing tool sets. So every right. year there's a new big thing that is the ultimate solution to do ABC. <laughs> so, and the more cloud-based these solutions become, the more you're losing your inform- your data last year i was using a new like stellar software for <laughs> uh, customer interviews and research and so i stored all interviews up there but of course as i stop working for a certain client and lose my credentials i cannot have access to that anymore so it becomes a double storage because you need to store it there you need to store it like in so many different places and yeah. I just find that you know five years from now and probably that software will not even be in existence or could be. Then if I store it, where do I store it? Is it important to store it? But then if five years from now and somebody wants my portfolio, where do I get <laughs> even a snapshot of that work, even if yeah. you don't need the whole thing, you know? I find that problematic. Yeah. Yeah, what I do is every time I close a project, I like to do some kind of a housekeeping and uh, i have 
one place for like long-term storage, like an archive basically that I store on uh, Google Drive. And then I create a folder for that project and move everything from every different platform to there. And that most of the time that means that I'm losing a lot of information. So for example, I'm if I'm creating an export from some design tool that will probably lose a lot of its editability or some information there, but I will have something that I can maybe use yeah. at some point or not. And in yeah. an ideal world, I would also find a different place to store the things that I can use as a reference or as a, as a portfolio item at some point. I don't do that because I have no portfolio or anything like that. Let's talk about a portfolio for a moment. Do you have one? Like a public place where people can see all your work? I don't. And why? I just haven't really had time to do it. That's one. Yeah, there is always something more important. Yes. I mean, when you work, when you do client work and it's, you work on three different projects at the same time, you just don't have the energy to do it. Although probably it would be easier to do it while you're working on it. Yeah. To document it. Who has time for that? (laughs) Yeah, let's try to do that. Actually, that's a good, that's a good pointer. And second, I find that the format of a portfolio is still a lot more suited for visual work or yeah. some kind of work that has an output, a physical or a tangible output rather than the process. Because actually what I'm selling is is facilitating a process and making a thinking structure more efficient and more innovative, actually. Yeah. As the focus of my work has moved from the part where uh, I produce the last bit of the process, it has moved up towards the first part of it, which is a lot more of thinking, facilitating other people's thinking, research. And by, you know, the middle of it, a lot of new players come to come to play. And by the time it becomes a thing, I cannot present it. I feel like I cannot present it as my work. Most recently, I've been working with a company for three years and, you know, part of our work resulted in a rebranding process, building a new web presence, designing a new relationship with their business partners. Okay, I can show the new website, but it's not really my work because my work ended at handing out a brief and supporting the design team to do what we needed them to do. But at the end of the day, it's their portfolio, not mine. Yeah. Same goes with the branding. We work together with a wonderful design studio and they designed the finer, you know, branding and the logo and we did it together. But at the end of the day, it is their work, not mine. And do you ever write these like case studies explaining of what you do in a project? I just started. But that's also a question for me. How much of it am I allowed to share? Right. Because the part that I'm working on is usually where the problems are. And no company wants their problems to be (laughs) exposed. And of course, I know I can do it without a name. I mean, without the company's name. Yeah, but it's 
either very easy to figure it out or not that interesting as an article. I mean, it can be interesting, I think, for companies, but I just don't think that any company wants that shared. Yeah. Hey, we suck at this and this, or we forgot to think about A, B, C, D. I don't want that. I feel like sometimes I feel like my work is a bit of a, like a fixer, <laughs> right. like Mr. Wolf from <laughs> Fiction, you know? Nobody right. wants to know, nobody wants to share that they work with a Mr. Wolf, Miss Wolf. They want to be, and it's fair. They want to be seen as, you know, they overcame a certain difficulty and all the power to them. I'm really happy. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's always a sensitive topic. And even in my case, when some of my work could be like easily uh, shared, like code or stuff like that, it's most of the cases it's in a private repository and I can't share it. Yes. Or if I wanted to share like a nice new app or something like that, then the thing that people would see is the UI that I didn't design. So yes, you your work would be just an app that you didn't design. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So I can absolutely understand that. So I find that this idea of a portfolio it is so ingrained in the idea of selling yourself, but maybe for certain professions is not the most ideal format. Like I have seen, you know, case studies of work similar to mine. Yeah. But it's not clear for me what it is that the person did in those instances. You know, yeah. like I can, I can tell the story of the, the process that we went through with, but if I just say, okay, I led the process, what does that mean? Really? Like some, for someone who is going to go through with it the first time around, what does that mean? Yeah. That how does I, it look like that you're leading a process? Exactly. That's really hard to imagine. Like I designed the agenda. What does that mean? Well, I designed how you're going to be thinking. How am I going to help you think more efficiently, more openly. I help you keep your time frame to actually get to your result. I will design research. Like, I don't want to sound like sitting on a high horse. But I just find it frustrating that it, I don't think it's so easy to create a portfolio of this kind of work or your kind of work, yeah. which is also behind the scenes. What, what would be an ideal portfolio? How would you describe it? Let's talk about it sometime. Yeah. Like, what should it contain to convey the actual work that you do or the, the value that you bring to that? It seems so impossible to capture it. I know. Uh, do you ever do uh, retrospectives for yourself? Like, do you ever reflect on how you work? Do you have a way of getting better at how you work? I don't think I do it in an organized manner. I think I reflect on it, but not so structured as it, it, it would be better to, to be done. I find that working alone, you manage so much that when it comes to like the cherry on top, right. which is your own, the improvement of your own practice, it's, it is the part that it becomes too much. Like for me, it would be a lot easier if you and I would sit together and you would facilitate me to do it and, and I would do the same for you. Yeah. But to do that for myself, to do that extra step when all my energy is drained, I, 
Yeah, I don't, I have to admit, I don't do yeah. that. I'm not saying that I don't try to do things differently, learning from the previous exa- experiences, but it's just not as structured. Right. Do you do retrospect tips for you? Uh, also, no. Also not in a structured way. I usually keep like a document uh, that is only for like the things that I want to avoid or try out or something. And if anything comes up while I'm working on a project, I try to capture it as soon as possible. And then depending on the project, I either bring it to a, a retrospective that is together with the team or it just stays there. <laughs> and I can read it anytime and try to learn from it, but I don't do that in, a, in an organized manner either. It's also one of those things that if you are working for someone as an employee, someone else will be there to facilitate that for yes, you and to it's true. and to take care of your improvements and improvement plan and your learning. And one of the many things that's really hard to do when you're working for yourself. So yes, when you're a freelancer, you're not, so to speak, taken care of. In that regards, you are responsible for your own development. Yeah. Yes. But actually, with some clients, luckily, I get feedback if I ask for it. Like yeah. Sometimes even if I don't. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really important to ask for feedback as much as possible for me. Yes, I agree. It was a bit of a problematic um, experience for me with one project that I was working on that for a while... I had continuous connection with them, like a weekly thing. And because of certain organizational development, it stopped. And I didn't get feedback for months. And I think it contributed to that project to end for me. It was really sad, I think, for, for, for me, for sure. I think it, it plays a huge role in being in touch and getting continuous feedback indeed. Key thing. So if you were to start freelancing now, what would be the advice for yourself? What are the things that you should be doing to, I'm not saying to be more efficient, but let's just maybe stay humanistic and say. (laughs) To To not go crazy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would definitely tell myself to start using any kind of uh, task management system, both on the process level and like find the right tool, find one tool and stick with it. And I would definitely tell myself to go through all the other not trivial things of what is needed uh, for a freelancer and just make a list and try to not forget them. like what we talked about, uh, how, how to learn, how to manage to lose, not, try not to keep everything in your head, find a place outside of, of your head for everything that you have to uh, manage and use all the help that you can get from the tools and the processes and from people as well. I think my advice would be to get up and do the work. <laughs> yeah. 
like for me in the beginning i i thought mm, i can enjoy all the freedom i can get up whenever and and then what happened was that my life was completely messed up because <laughs> other people who were not freelancers they had their free hours later in the day i couldn't make it there i felt frustrated and um i also just felt like i couldn't really plan my work in a manner that it met certain deadlines right um i mean maybe i would say exper experiment you know try it out how it works yeah for you. uh maybe the point isn't to get up early but the point is to find your the time periods when you work well and for me even though i i actually I, i'm a night owl more than an early riser yeah. i do find it that it helps for me to to get up and start the workday at the time when others do. And I would rather extend it as we go along. So depending on how I feel with my energy, than to start it very late and then go from there. You know what right. I mean? Yeah, I think it's also important that it shouldn't be a goal to work as much as possible. Like being a freelancer is a nice escape hatch from that part of capitalism yes <laughs> because you can set your own hours that also means that you don't actually have to feel bad if you can't work a full day or if you don't want to you can if you're lucky if you're good at what you're doing you can go on with way less work and do way more things that are fulfilling for yourself Which I think in return is also beneficial for the client that you work for because it means that you can do your work with good energy yes. and motivation rather, rather than just pushing some files around. Yeah, you can create only the meaningful part of the work that you're doing yeah. and create more value in less time if you have the right energy for that. You know, I think if we talk about uh, incentives... If employment could look at work from this perspective, it would be so much more healthy. Yeah. Just to to be... I, I also like the idea of a four-day work week. And I think as a freelancer, in a way, you do that, even though you have a lot of other hours and other work, not client work. I was wondering, what do you think about... I, I read something about how freelancers should... And clients, if any client... Or any companies listening to this hiring freelancers will hate me for it. <laughs> But I, I read this and I thought it was very interesting. Somebody uh, talking about how freelancers should charge for the full day, even if they just work for six hours that day. Hmm. And for the reason that as a freelancer, you often still, you know, juggle around with those thoughts regarding a certain project, even when you are not sitting in front of your computer. Right. So... Actually, you do put in those hours and that energy, just not straight from nine to five. I personally prefer being very transparent about why I only work four hours that day, but those hours are more expensive. Yeah. Also, on the other side, on the other hand, it's very important to not think about work sometimes. <laughs> so you should also pay attention to go out to the forest and walk with the dogs and talk about something that's not work. We should, we should try that <laughs> So not like this. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I'd like to explain to my clients that 
these hours are ex more expensive because these are only my best hours that that they are paying for and not the for other hours when I'm on Facebook or scrolling on Instagram or I agree just staring out the window I agree I also feel very uh, linked to the truth so to speak so I wouldn't want to charge for hours that I didn't yeah. spend on the project and I think it's a good incentive for both of us that they want to pay less so we so it means that we have to work less that's yes. fine yes I'm fine with working less <laughs> I agree so shall we make that as a closing statement let's work less and be happier yeah, that sounds like a good closing statement. Yeah. But let's clarify this. Let's work less, be happier, but make our clients also happier with this setup. Yes. Yes. And spend the rest of the time in a forest with with dogs. Or working on our pro bono project. Or that. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for today's walk yeah. and talk. Thank you also. We're almost back to where we started from. It's time to dry the dogs. And thank you for listening and hope to have you here again. Bye. Bye. Today's podcast was recorded on Obuda Island, produced by Aniko. Fejes and Yuli Mata, edited by Yuli, original music by White Hot from freebeats.io. Thank you for being with us today. Looking forward to have your company the next time around. Bye.